Good morning, everyone. It is good to see you and wonderful to worship alongside you this morning at WPC. Today, we continue our September sermon series, Walking Through the Epistle of James. Last week, we explored James' warning to the church to tame our tongues and use our words to bless and build up the body of Christ. Our reading today picks up right where we left off last week, as James moves from speaking about Christian speech to a more general discussion on what a good life looks like in Christ, one that is lived out in humility and seeks wisdom from above continuously. I invite you to listen now with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the third chapter of the epistle of James, beginning with the 13th verse. Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness, born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. Those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings that are at war within you? You want something and do not have it, so you commit murder. And you covet something and cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. You do not have love because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasures. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our reading this morning begins with a question. Really, it sounds more like a challenge. Who is wise and understanding among you? Remember, wisdom in the Bible is not all about book smarts. It's about one's relationship with God. Then after this challenge, James says, let them show this wisdom by their good life. A good life. It's, it's a nice phrase. It's one we say a lot at funerals uh, of, of a loved one when they have had a long and nice, wonderful life. We all have our own understandings of what a good life looks like. Or perhaps our own model of who in our lives has exemplified such a good life. Perhaps it's a mentor of yours or a famous person or even a relative. What is it about their life that makes it good and exemplary to you? To me, this will always be my grandfather, who died just a couple years ago next month. He was born in a small German Catholic farming community in central Michigan. 
finished his education just at eighth grade so he could work full-time on the family farm. He married my grandmother at 18, and they had all eight of their children by the time they both reached 30. They didn't have a lot of money, needless to say. In fact, the bank even took over their farm, which ended his career as a farmer. You can imagine how such fortune might leave someone bitter and angry for the rest of their days. I doubt most of us uh, wouldn't blame anyone for feeling such a way. But that wasn't the case with my grandfather. You would never see a happier, more content man in your life. He was a man who remained calm and humble no matter what life threw his way and always seemed grateful for what he had, for what God had given him. For James, the good life is a life that is rooted in gentleness, born of wisdom. This is a beautiful phrase, gentleness born of wisdom, and it's the only time these two words are found next to each other or really even coincide in the Bible. Gentleness, which is another word for humility in Greek, and wisdom. Gentleness, humility, is something that is learned from wisdom, from one's walk and relationship with God. When James talks about wisdom, he really is talking about two different kinds of wisdom. There's the wisdom that is from above, the wisdom that is rooted in gentleness and humility. But there's also another wisdom he talks about, or at least hints at. It's a kind of pseudo-wisdom at the ground level. He's talking about the wisdom of the world. This so-called wisdom is earthy. It's grimy, it's messy, and it bears rotten fruit like envy, recklessness, selfish ambition. It's the wisdom of the world that James says we all know too well. The wisdom that makes us feel as if we need a better car than our, because our neighbor just got one. The wisdom that makes us envious of everyone else and everything they have that we do not. It makes us feel that we are not enough and that we always deserve more and better. The pseudo-wisdom leads us to envy and resentment. It rips us further apart from our neighbors. It creates deeper divides, polarizes us further. It creates conflict. It dissolves community. James is addressing what he calls the double-mindedness of Christians. As those who bounce back and forth between the wisdom from above and the wisdom, the pseudo-wisdom, rather, of the world. He fears that they are being lured more and more into the scarcity mindset of the world, rather than the abundance mindset of God, whose grace and generosity knows no bounds. Another pastor named Magri de Vega reminded me of an example that addresses what James, I think, is concerned about. It's a Harry Potter reference. In the first Harry Potter book, The Sorcerer's Stone, Harry and his friends, through their mischievous adventures through the halls of Hogwarts School, discover an old artifact in an abandoned room. It's an artifact that was known as the Mirror of Erised. When Harry looked into the mirror, he saw himself with his deceased parents. When his best friend Ron looked in the mirror, he saw himself holding up the house cup 
as the hero of the school. Later, Harry talked to the headmaster, Albus Dumbledore, about the mirror, to which Dumbledore said that the mirror reflected back whatever the individual most deeply desired. He went on to say that the happiest person on earth would be able to look into the mirror and only see themselves exactly as they are. It seems that to James, that a person who is living a good life, one of gentleness born of wisdom from above, is a person who will look into this mirror and see themselves exactly as they are, as a beloved child of God. I think it's important to note that James isn't telling Christians here to completely withdraw from the world. Far from it. Throughout this series on James, we've explored how he implores us as Christians to use our gift of faith to be at work in the world, engaged with the world around us. There were then and still are today religious groups that believed that the only way to remain faithful was to completely withdraw from the world around them, from the rest of society. But this, James says, and the church has affirmed throughout the years, is so far from our calling, our calling to be Christ's witnesses and share his love and gospel to the ends of the earth. Rather, it seems what James is asking followers to do followers of Christ to do is to reorder our priorities. In other words, to set our compasses by God's wisdom, the wisdom of gentleness and humility and love, not the pseudo-wisdom of the world of envy and selfishness. James wants us to find our status in the world not through our salaries or what kind of car we drive or the brand of our shoes and clothing, but through our identity as children of God. The beautiful phrase James uses to describe this at the end of our reading is to draw near. He says, resist, back away from evil, and evil will back away from you. Draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. The imperative, the command, is simple. Draw near. It's the same verb in Greek, actually, that is in Jesus' very first words and really his purpose statement in the Gospel of Mark. When he says, the time has come, the kingdom of heaven has drawn near. Repent and believe the good news, the gospel, evangelism. Drawing near to God also draws us near to one another. It draws us near to one another that we might be in a community of gentleness and humility born of this wisdom from above. Drawing near to God draws us away from our silos and polarization and into authentic community, a community of gentleness and peace. It's not a community that is devoid of conflict but rather one where we can truly hear and see each other as beloved children of God, even in the midst of conflict. What would it look like for us as individuals to draw near again to God? What would it look like for the church to draw near to God? And what might it look like in our world today if we were drawn near to one another? to embrace one another as brothers and sisters created in God's image. That right there, friends, 
I think is a beautiful image for us on this Evangelism Sunday, and one I think we truly need today. Friends, James calls for us to seek to live a good life. What does this good life look like? It's not found in our stuff or our possessions. It's found in our identity as children of God. The good life is found in drawing near to God, seeking the wisdom from above, the wisdom that is rooted in gentleness and humility. A good life looks like one that is devoid of envy and bitterness, a life that is drawn closer to God that is also drawn closer to one another in community, seeking to share Christ's love with our neighbors. May we go and seek this life together in Christ. May we seek out this good life, not for our own enjoyment, but rather that it might be shared with the world around us, consumed by anxiety and envy, that all may know the joy and peace of God drawing near to us. Through Christ Jesus our Lord.